Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also joining us this week, the legend himself, Lavender Gooms. Hey, guys. As always, very happy to be here talking with you all. And as always, I wish you guys a happy National Football Hangover Day. Mm. The day after the big game, the Super Bowl. Sad day for so many people where we have no idea now what to do with our Sundays for the next six months. But our significant others who don't give a shit about football are like, finally, I have our Sundays back. And then also, as always, a happy National Clean Out Your Computer Day, which is always on the second Monday in February. Uh, To that effect, I actually saw these earlier today. And I finally cleaned out my inbox. Nice job. And just just know, you're not fooling anybody if you leave your porn in the folder that's just called new folder. Okay? You're not fooling anybody. This new folder has 18 gigabytes (laughs) of storage. (laughs) In this this day and age, who still has downloaded porn? Yeah, that's true. People are still torrenting stuff, man. I don't know. People still doing stuff. Um, all right, boys and girls, um, Super Bowl hangover indeed, or football hangover indeed, especially for those of us rooting for my beloved San Francisco Giants. Sorry, San Francisco Giants, San Francisco 49ers. It's Niners, yeah. yeah, bang, bang, Niner gang didn't go so well. But we move on to talk about a sport where I truly don't care who wins and at this point care less and less about the actual physical well-beings of the human beings who are involved because most of them are garbage mm-hmm. people. We're here at MMA, folks. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about dancing and singing and dancing Jack Hermanson. Uh, credit to Co-Main Event Podcast for that nickname. His work this past weekend. Props to our guy, Lavender Gooms. Because all of us said, man, this betting line's all sorts of fucked up. But only Lavender Gooms here said, yeah, I'm I'm not picking this guy who's upset with a punching machine. That that was mostly what I heard this week was that Joe Pfeiffer was like that punching machine. People don't believe it. I hit that punching machine harder than Francis Ngannou. Let me tell you, I don't believe it either. Okay, because you couldn't uh, knock Jack Hermanson down. Um, <clears throat> talk a little bit about that. Talk about a big win for Dan Ige. Um, all twelve people in that in that building seem to really enjoy that garbage card. Uh, but we got a pay per view this weekend. We're going to talk about UFC two ninety eight. Um, See if the reign of Alexander Volkanovsky will continue or if we're going to have a new champion. A man who's been talking shit for months. It'd be real funny if he didn't win. Uh, Ilya Toporia. And a little bit of news this week uh, about the UFC being cheap on multiple fronts. I think it's all playing out. But uh, first, let's talk about it. Uh, Mike, you, 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 let's give you the honors here, my man. You, you picked it correctly. Jack Hermanson. Saw Joe Pfeiffer's punch record and said, "I this no, I'm not losing to you." Um, what'd you think of his performance? Well, 
I think that I very easily could have gotten this pick wrong uh, based on how that first round went. Uh, Jack Hermanson was in a fair amount of trouble after that first round. I thought my pick was going to be a bad one and I was going to easily slide into last place. But after the first round, Pfeiffer slowed down a lot and I thought Hermanson was very good with his counters. He had a, uh, a a counter check left hook that was just on point throughout the fight. And he was able to pepper in a ton of leg kicks, which really slowed down Pfeiffer, especially going into the later rounds. Uh, I thought this was the type of performance that Hermanson needed to, to win this fight. And I think I mentioned a lot of that last week, maybe not the counters, but um, he basically followed the game plan that he needed to win this fight. Yeah, get to get to the later parts, get this guy with no experience, drown him a little bit, because we talked about it. This man hadn't seen the third round in years. Um, those calf kicks, Mark, really did a number on uh, on um, Joe Pfeiffer um, to the point that it looked like he did not consider the possibility someone might kick him in the leg. Um, he had basically no answer for them. Answer for them. So he's got to go back to the drawing board. Um, still a young man. There's still hope there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the big turning point in the fight was the third round. It looked like Jack hit him with um, a jab that Pfeiffer thought was like an eye poke. Mm -hmm. So that really seemed to bother him in the moment where he was trying to get the referee's attention. And from there, he really just wasn't utilizing his offensive tools like he was in the beginning. I mean, he was able to catch him early on with a lot of feints. His, uh, his lead left hook was landing pretty, you know, consistently for him. But he was also going to the legs himself with kicks. He was going to the body a little bit more. Um, in these later rounds, when he started getting tired, he was getting a little bit more desperate, and he was just headhunting a lot. And, you know, kind of like we said last week, you know, Hermanson is a very, maybe not a flashy fighter, but he's very technical. And we've seen him win fights on the outside, utilizing those jabs, the right straight and the leg kick. And I think really in that third round, when Joe got hit in the eye, and we saw him start to try to go for takedowns and not get those either, you just tell like, okay, this guy is out of his element, right? Like he he got hurt to a point where he's no longer comfortable in the area of the fight where he would be most successful in the stand-up and is trying to transition the fight into another area where he couldn't even get the fight there, right? He never was able to take Joe uh, Jack down. Um, and it was a little surprising not seeing Jack go for a lot of the takedowns after the first round. He tried a few in the first when Joe was still fresh um, and wasn't successful. And it wasn't until that last round he finally got him down. And that's kind of where I thought Jack was going to have most of his advantage was really going to be on the ground game. If he got on top of him, his top control is top notch. I didn't think Joe was going to have much for him on the bottom. We saw that in the fifth, but it was really those third and fourth rounds where we just saw Hermanson just had all the pressure, just took away the range with the with the straight punches. And Joe just wasn't setting it up like he used to. You know, like he was doing some good feints early on. He was really varying up the offense to keep Jack guessing. But once the variation stopped, once the feints stopped, started losing their kind of like deadly intention, it was easy for Jack to see the punches come. Did a good job covering up, making sure none of them got through and did a lot of damage. And then, you know, just found homes for his jab and his right straight throughout the rest of the fight. So it was a good veteran performance. And, you know, something that, you know, when you see a young prospect like Joe kind of get tuned up like this, when it's just like the smarter tactical guy kind of won the, the tactical fight. You kind of hope he goes back to the drawing board, and he takes a lot of learning experiences. I didn't like some of his answers to the. I mean, it's yeah, I didn't see what he said. After. Well, I mean, it's also like it's in the heat of the moment, but he's like, "Yeah, I guess you know he landed better leg kicks than me, and yada yada yada." And I'm like, "Bro, you you lost three, four, and five, like mm -hmm. pretty much." In the corner, I, knew. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do still like his nickname, Body Bags, with a Z. Real 2002 MMA nickname right there. Um, he's still a good fighter, man. He's got 12 wins. 11 of them are finishes. So, you know, his first UFC loss. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Co-main event, our guy Andre Touchy-Feely. Man, Dan Ige clubbed him. That right hand murdered him. And that follow-up shot was not necessary. Though no ill intent, I don't think. Because they're actually good friends, apparently. Um... Andre Feely been in the UFC a hot minute, guys. I think we kind of know what Andre Feely is at this point. You know, he's in there to put on an entertaining fight. Quite frankly, I think that's what Dan Ige is, too, uh, to be honest. Um, Andre Feely got into UFC 11 years ago. Jesus Christ. Um, Has gone pretty much 11 and 10. So, shout out to him getting 21 paychecks from these people. And a big win for, um, I've lost it, my man who fought Brad Tavares. And I just lost the damn thing. Um, it was Robocop, right? Robocop, who I'm, I'm just, you're not, you cannot convince me that man's 31 years old. All right? A man is, I mean, first of all, he's definitely Dominican. I'm going to go with that right now because he looks to be about 72 years old. Okay? Claiming to be 31. All right? The man is old as shit. Um, big win for him, though. Uh, he doesn't really move his head at all, which, I mean, I know he's called RoboCop, Mike, but let's not live the gimmick too much, right? Like, it's like when Korean Zombie was just walking hands down for a while. You're like, my dude, <laughs> let's, uh, let's play a little defense here. Um, yeah, this is certainly fight some fights that happened at the Apex. Um, the UFC, don't, don't worry, guys. They're not done with the Apex. Uh, they will be back there March 2nd for that card that the Saudis told them to eat shit and take back with them. Um, but we got a pay-per-view this weekend over at the Honda Center in Anaheim, um, which is probably the fifth best venue in the Los Angeles area. Way to go, UFC. Um, and then the following week, um, the same night as the same day as that PFL pay-per-view, they're going to be at uh, Arena CDMX in uh, Mexico City. So, a couple good fight cards in the next two weeks, you know. So, we'll get into the UFC 298 picks a little bit later. Um, but we got some news first. Um, I think we should go first with that UFC 300 still doesn't have a main event. Um, we are now two months out. And uh, per Mr. Helwani, some of the choices they were really wanted to do was Leon Edwards versus uh, Kamzat Shemaev, which... Kamzat can't make 170. Kamzat also doesn't deserve a title shot at 170. But thankfully, we don't have to consider this now because Kamzat can't fight in this country. So I don't know what the UFC's plan was there, Mike, to get around that. I don't know what they thought was going to happen. Thought Trump was going to win an election between now and then. Um, nope. Because you know he'd let him do it. He wants to pull us out of NATO, for the love of God. Um, another consideration was DDP versus Chimeyev. Chimeyev fighting for another belt he doesn't deserve a title shot at. Impressive. Um, and then there's DDP versus Izzy, and then there's Edwards versus Bilal, which, just, by the way, guys, if this wasn't UFC 300, let's say this was like UFC 301, whatever, right? It was just on the calendar. Edwards versus Bilal, just in terms of the schedule, that's the fight. Like, just in terms of what everybody's <laughs> working on, you know, the mm, normal... Yeah. Plug people things in. Plug things in. I mean, I forgot what we made our predictions to even be. I know Mark said that it was going to be the BMF title was going to end up being the main event. 
I don't even know what I said at this point. Um, but I'm starting to think it's going to be Bilal versus Leon. What do you think, Mike? I think we're headed that way. <laughs> I mean, just from the process of elimination and the fact that we're just two months out and it really doesn't seem like there's any other better <laughs> prospects. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I, I think we might be headed there. Um, unless there's some curveball that happens, perhaps. Uh, hey, I I could see the UFC, you know, maybe trying to book uh, Brock Lesnar again. He's not going to be doing anything for a few months. They Come can't, on. They can't book bro bro Brock Lesnar in the middle of that lawsuit. This is the same company, man. True. Oh, it's the same company. It's the same company. Same company now. Brock asked that lady for pictures of her for video of her pissing. All right, that was that was part of it. We're not, we're well, not. let's not let's not kink shame. Um, but uh, I don't think she was necessarily consenting to this whole operation. There, there's other reasons. <laughs> yeah. There's other reasons why he's a monster. Um, uh, yeah. But um, with that being said, uh, just book the fucking it thing. Seems, it seems <laughs> it, it, it seems there's not very much else. Um, like we've talked about a few times already over the last few weeks. Um, perhaps we should stop thinking about it, it being bigger than what it is. Stop thinking about it as just a big monumental number, because at this point, what else do you got? I mean, this is their own fault, too. They could have uh, this whole time told us, hey, man, it's just a fight card or whatever. But nah, you know, Dana White said it was earth shattering shit we we're going to get, which I don't think he had a plan when he said that. I think he just kind of assumed, you know, everything falls into a place anyway for us here. Why wouldn't this work out? Um, Some might ask, why isn't Conor McGregor main eventing? Others might ask, what is this bullshit about Conor McGregor now not fighting into the fall till the fall? Why isn't Conor McGregor main event scene, Bobby, or fighting at all? It appears that uh, Mr. McGregor only has two fights left on his contract. And the UFC has no interest in booking him in a fight and putting him in a situation where he has one left fight left on his contract because they very much need to lock him up into a long-term contract before they go and try to renegotiate their TV deals. Um... To put it in wrestling terms, this is one of the reasons they went and signed CM Punk immediately at WWE. And then, boom, $5 billion Netflix deal. You are essentially, you are not a sports league. You are content creators, and you need to tell them what content they are paying for. So if you tell them Conor McGregor is on the bill for a few pay-per-views in that next ESPN deal, it probably helps the price. Uh, Mr. McGregor, probably not wonder, probably wondering, why do I need to sign an extension at all? I got two fights left on my deal. Um, or he's also thinking, hey, remember when you sold this company for $4 billion off of my back and I didn't get any of it? <laughs> I think I would need to be compensated accordingly the next time you sign a fucking, you know, TV deal that's going to pay a billion dollars in which there's nothing in writing saying the fighters are going to get a dime of it. So, uh, Ariel Hawani compared to saying that this is going to be very much like the Nate Diaz situation. So we'll see how it goes. Um, they should probably pay him. Because God knows they don't pay anybody else. They let this be the guy you pay. It's part of the reason you're all you're here, to be honest. It's not like... Connor, big dipshit. Makes a lot of bad decisions, but can't diminish his value to them. Mark, you also pointing out to me earlier today, do we really think this guy's going to fight more than two times anyway? Maybe not in MMA, yeah. but they got to make sure he doesn't they're go boxing. Either. A, <laughs> and they're putting a lot of stock in... Uh, guys whose last fight his we saw his legs snap in two. You know, like 
those guys tend the people that have had that injury haven't tend to have very spectacular returns anderson being like the one exception yeah. and i would still say you know he was you know a shadow of his former self after he broke his leg against wyman um well, they, they started it, drug like, testing him too though that was the mistake with anderson sure. didn't drug test him we would have a good but time I, oh and now they don't have to drug test connor too and we saw you know he got roided out so uh. but i mean so on one hand it, it makes sense why they want to for long this so they can potentially get the tv deal or sign him on to a big contract um it, it still seems like he draws uh it it will be interesting to see if that continues if he still doesn't perform well right like the two dustin fights at least the first one was you know he hadn't lost yet so we didn't really know where he was at competitively um and then the rematch had some appeal because he was going to try to you know correct ship it looked like connor was extremely motivated in that fight. And then he had this, you know, horrific accident in a fight. I still think he was losing. Right. So it will be interesting to see when he eventually does return, who he fights against, how he does. And to see if the popularity is still there. I mean, it seems like in some, some circles, it seems like he can do no wrong and that there's always going to be a large fan base. That's interested in seeing him compete. Um, You do just wonder three, four losses in a row. Does that fan base still stick around? What's he at? What do we have um, now? Two? Two. I think it's just the two. Just cool, the two Dustin. Three with, with Habib, right? Wasn't Habib? No, he, no, beat, he beat up uh, Cowboy. He bounced back to Cowboy. Okay. So this is so far long ago. Man, fucking just pay him, man. He's not getting any younger. Let's just... I want to see the guy fight a couple more times if we're going to fucking go through this. Also, Michael Chandler. Let him take another fight. Like, who cares if this... Also, I'm not convinced he's going like to fight. I if he wanted to, he could. I don't think he's going to get this fight. I still don't think he's going to get this fight. I don't unless it's unless I see the ink on the paper. That's I would not assume I'm going to get the fight if I was him, man. He's probably potentially scared of losing it, right? Like if he does. I mean, he's 38 years old. I think. I think this is it. Like, let's get a big check. He wants wants the big money fights, right? And he's already had a couple of them. So, Uh, Mike. In other news, uh, Sean Strickland is now beating up influencers, and also possibly is an influencer because he's just on YouTube now. All right. Well, what do we say? Well, the guy he beat up is some dude named Sneeko. I've seen uh, uh, some of his stuff. You know, if they both knocked each other out, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I don't know what I, I don't know why I have to learn who these people are. Like what 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 I'm getting I feel this thing forced upon me. This this world where I got to learn who these people are. All right. I saw he was fighting some guy. He was arguing with some guy, some other influencer named Bryce Hall. I had to learn who that was today. Just some gangly white dude Sean Strickland's going to beat up. Sure. All right. Fine. Whatever. And then they asked Dana White about it. And he's like, you can't put John Sean Strickland around other humans and accept the best. Except that, you know, nothing's going to happen. And I'm just like, it's, it's, you're running a professional league or not? Or are you just fucking the, yeah. the carnival, bro? Your former champion. Yeah. Right there. Standard bearer of one of your big, most important weight classes ever. Anyway. Um, I'm just checking to see if we have booked a main event for UFC 300. And we have not. Um, and by the way, uh, one one FC one championship says it was just an all big misunderstanding with uh, Sage Northcutt. Just Sage one, had words. Water one, under one, the bridge. They uh, Sage has went in on them more than I've ever seen Sage going on anybody. Like Sage looked pissed, or at least what he wrote would seem like he was pissed. Um, yeah, uh, they have a good product, and they do everything they can to ruin it. Mark with all this bullshit, it's disappointing. So, 
Yeah, the fights are good. Yeah. But it does seem like the organization itself is questionable at best. Yeah. Um, let's just pick some fights, guys. What do you think, huh? Uh, sure. Do we want to do it. top five first? You guys want to do top five? Or you want to do... I don't care. Either way. I don't remember what, what the normal flow I think we was. Do, I, remember, I think we do picks or... first. By the way, it's going to be 30 minutes of MMA and 45 minutes of bullshit on this podcast this week is what it sounds like. Um, let's just let's make some picks. Sure. UFC 298, as I mentioned, the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, the home of the Anaheim No Longer Mighty Ducks, um, or Anna Crime, if you're from the area and not proud of your hometown. Um, main evented by Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, who, with a name like Alexander, probably didn't have a lot of say in his nickname. Um, taking on Ilya Tapuria, co-main event, Bobby Knuckles, Paulo Costa, in theory. Um, another fight there, Jeff Neal against Dickbag Ian, Maca- Ian Machado Gary. Um, Marab Divishvili versus Henry. I fired my coach on the first episode of Embedded, Cejudo. That was real weird. Um, and then Anthony Hernandez versus Roman Kopilov. Pretty decent undercard. Marcos Rogerio de Lima versus Justin Taffa is one that I think will be a good time and take about 90 seconds because that's how long Justin Taffa fights go. Um, and uh, KGB Lee, Miranda Mavericks on there, and Amanda Lemos versus Mackenzie Dern. It's a pretty good card here, Marcus, honestly. Um, it's almost mm-hmm. like having 90% of the market share should produce a pretty decent fight card if you try. You'd hope. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Alex Volkanovsky coming back from losing to um, Islam Mahachev on two weeks' notice. Blew their wad on a rematch that could have been a lot of fun just for it to go down to with one man being unprepared and getting knocked out in three minutes or whatever it was. Um, Ilya Tapuria been on a buzzsaw tour here, man. But Ilya's taking out uh, Josh Emmett, um, Jail, oh, was it a uh, Jai Herbert, Bryce Mitchell, Ryan Hall, Damon Jackson, other people you haven't heard of. Um, he's 14 and 0 with 12 finishes. Um, Betting odds for this one, us being a bet MGM podcast. These are the closest odds I've seen for an Alex Volkanovsky fight at Featherweight. In quite some time, he's minus 120 on bet MGM to plus 100 for uh, Tapuria. Um, Mike, reigning champion, what's your pick? Even with these close odds, I'm still going to be going with Alexander Volkanovsky. We've reached the era when, with his championship, that until he loses, I'm going to assume that he is going to win every fight. And also, kudos to him on that hilarious commercial that, that he had. That was wonderful. That was amazing. Um, shout out to the most be- personal- shout, out, shout out to that betting site that paid for it. Most personality I've seen from him ever. Um, Volk's got Volk's good, man. Volk's got a good YouTube channel. You know, he cooks. I like Volk. Um, so this is, I am a big proponent of the 35 and, you know, older stat for guys who are welterweight and uh, below. And Volk is now 35. Um, that being said, I am also, I didn't think Mike was going to take Volkanovsky, honestly. I'm also taking Volkanovsky. Um, I just, and I'm a big Toporia guy. You know, we all are, quite frankly. We got on this train early. We think he's a great fighter. He is really confident on in like a McGregor O'Malley type of way. Um, and I'm talking about two guys who went out there and won those belts and stuff. But I, man, he made it to this title shot. 
And I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. He very much deserves this title shot. Let me be very clear about that. But he got to this title shot without having to fight Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez, Brian Ortega, Arnold Allen, fucking Ivalov, Calvin Cater. Like, he's not fought a lot of these dudes. And, like, it doesn't mean he's not going to win. He throws a lot of strikes. He's very accurate. But he's very fucking hittable, too. And Volk is the most is one of the more active people in this division. Volk's landing seven significant strikes a, ra- a, a minute, I think. All right? Which is a lot. Okay? Well, um, Ilya's closer to four. Um, could be wrong. I mean, he's out there saying, like, he says, if I go to decision with Volkanovsky, I have failed. As I'm going to blow the doors off of him. He's that confident. Maybe he's right. I'm going to have to see it. Because Mike said it. I'm not picking against Alex Volkanovsky in featherweight t- fights until I see him lose one. Mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you guys, and I'm not too surprised. You know, even with the loss to um, Islam in his last fight, I think we can take a lot of credence in it being very short notice. Um, and Alexander's been very open about the lead up to that fight. He, you know, I, leading up to the fight before we saw it, you know, he said he was preparing, he was in the gym, but you know, now we learned that he was drinking a lot. I mean, which is hey, you know, whatever. It, he wasn't have a fight scheduled. Whatever he, yeah, he wasn't to being do a drunk. Time, he just was living his life as a you yeah, know, not buck like, fighter. You know, he, yeah, I just he wasn't he wasn't in a training camp, and now he's he's laser focused. I think on Ilya. Um, but like you said, Bobby, like I think Ilya does have a good shot here. It's just because of how they both fight. I feel like you know Ilya has to get in the pocket, and that's kind of where Bulk does some of his best work. You know, he's really good at entering and exiting the pocket safely without getting hit, um, and that's where Ilya is going to have to kind of find holes in those exchanges and you know meet him. You know, in the uh, you know. Uh, in striking range and, and try to get something going there. And that could be potentially difficult. But like you said, leading up to this, he's very confident, right? He has the confidence of people that make huge upsets over dominant champions. Like you mentioned Sugar um, and Conor McGregor, you know, like you have to have that confidence to not kind of get overwhelmed by, you know, what Alex has kind of built for himself. And I think Ilya, you know, can win this fight. It's just going to be difficult. And, and it's just... You know, until you see it, it's hard to pick against Alexander, even though he lost those two fights to Islam. You know, I, you would think that it'd be easier to kind of count him out after his last performance where he got, you know, head kick KO'd, you know, within the first round. But I do feel like the circumstances there do creep up quite a bit to kind of give you some outs. And, you know, when Alexander's on, you know, he's he's an extremely difficult opponent. No one's been able to really touch him at this weight division. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Ilya is the first one to do it. But like you also, Bobby, it's just like, there's, there's a wealth of talent in this division that he hasn't had to face. And I think he, most of the names you named, I think he does pretty well against most of them. It's just, we haven't seen. Well, he says he's not going to fight any of them anyway. If he wins the belt, he says none of them get a title shot. So he's well, got to know who, the fight. who is he going to fight? then? maybe he's going to go up to 55, right? Like, um, I don't know what the plan is, um, but this is a really interesting fight and his confidence does you know question a little bit like can alexander pull this off but there's i have really no reason not to believe that he won't win so co-main event uh bobby knuckles coming back from that loss to drickus duplicy taken on paulo costa who last fought luke Ro- a very tired luke rockhold last august in utah it was a fucked up fight to book for luke rockhold he hasn't fought in a while let's send his ass to fucking elevation in utah what a weird ass shit was that um Betting odds for this one. Uh, Paulo Costa coming in at plus 180 to minus 225 for Bobby Knuckles. Mike, what are you thinking? I'm thinking that I'm going with the Aussie on this one. Uh, Paulo Costa 
hasn't looked good since before his fight against Adesanya. Even this win that he had last year against Rockhold. Rockhold, you should he should have been able to put Rockhold out. And that fight went to decision. Uh, Whitaker, I think, is still a top two or top three middleweight. His last loss was against the now champion. So that's really no sweat off of his back, in my opinion. So I'm going with uh, Bobby Knuckles. Um, I'm a, I think I'm a bigger Paulo Costa fan than most of you guys, than all you guys, actually. I think he's a better fighter than a lot of times people give him credit for because he's such a good fucking bullshit artist on the internet. He's a very entertaining guy talking about secret juice and all that stuff. I'm picking Bobby Knuckles, but starting to get easier to hurt Bobby Knuckles. He's still not that old. He's 33 years old, but he's taking some abuse, man. Like, he's taking some hits in these fights. Those Yoel fights, that was that was 10 rounds of Yoel, you know? Like, he's gotten hit in a lot of these fights. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked this is a rough one for him, but I'm still going with Bobby Knuckles. He needs a bounce-back win. I still think he's among the elite in this weight class. Quite frankly, I think if he fought the champion again, would not be shocked if he won if they fought again. Um, obviously, Drake is to be the favorite, I think, but... I think Bobby Knuckles is still there. I'm just a little concerned about the damage he's taking. Mark? Yeah, um, I'm taking Whitaker as well. Uh, I think the inconsistency of Paulo just being active is something that hurts him here. Um, the loss to Martin Vittori doesn't sit super well. And like you said, the, the, the win to Luke, you know, it's good to to get back in that column, but it wasn't a super impressive performance. You know, really when I think back to that fight, it was just how much heart and determination Luke showed and kind of Paul Costa being there and the guy that seemed to be the fresher of the two and should have been able to put it away that didn't take as much damage and just couldn't quite get it done. So it wasn't a super great performance. And, um, you know, listening to Whitaker recently about his loss to DDP, um, you know, I kind of like how he approached it. He, he said that he still thinks that he's technically like a better fighter than DDP, but what he, disc he discounted was just how hungry he was, right? Like how aggressive that kid was and how much he wanted it. And Whitaker just didn't, want it that much that night um you kind of hope that's changed because i do feel like he's found himself in a position where it seems like the division's kind of passing him by you know his big rival izzy got beat the guy that beat him just lost it just it seems like he's not really in that conversation anymore um and i just wonder where his head's at like is he really super motivated to stick in this division and try to get the belt back that you know he once held for so long um, if he is motivated, I think Paul Costa is a very winnable fight for him. Right? I think stylistically and when it comes to skill, he should be better. He should be, you know, once he, if he can take it into the deep rounds, he should really have an advantage there. Um, but I, you know, like you, Bobby, I just question where his head's at and where his body and how much his body can still take, right? You saw, you know, he took some shots from DDP and he just couldn't withstand them like he used to, you know, it used to really take a lot to take Whitaker down. And it does seem like, you know, that bar of sledgehammer to to take this guy down is getting weakened and weakened. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I still got Whitaker taking this one, but, um, you know, Paul Costa's a big, strong guy who's maybe a little fresher in, in mileage in his career. You're muted, Bob. Jeff Neal taking on a man who put his mugshot on his face, on his T-shirt. Ian Machado Gary, who notably either got pulled out of a fight with pneumonia or bullying from the Internet depending on who you want to believe his last fight. Um, which I remember who he was even going to fight, to be honest. Oh, Luke. And then somehow Luke got punished for not 
fighting a random person on short notice. What a sport. Um, betting odds for this one. Jeff Neal coming in at plus 185. Me and Machado Gary coming in at minus 225. Bigger favorite than I thought he would be, quite frankly. He's discounting Jeff Neal a bit here. Mike, who do you think? I would like to pick Jeff Neal just because Ian Gary just being a human just scab. Being an asshole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Human scab. I, <laughs> I like that. But Ian Gary is coming in with a lot of hype and momentum, even though he hasn't fought since August. Still undefeated. And even though I do think he's a piece of shit, I have liked what I've seen um, in, in his fighting. And I think he should take, be able to take care of Jeff Neal, no problem. We both picked Luke too last time, and then that fight fell apart. I'd love to take Jeff Neal, but I'm like picking real bad at the beginning of the year, and I don't want to just pick a fuck this guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick against him pick, but fuck this guy. Uh, I'm still gonna pick. Um, no, nah, I'm picking. I'm picking Ian Gary. He's. No. I think Jeff Neal's a really underrated fighter, though. He gave Shavkat a fight, man. Like he Shavkat had to pull that bulldog choke out of his ass to win that thing, man. I mean, he was winning already, but he put up a fight. I think Jeff Neal, like, if Jeff Neal's still there, second, third round, I think Ian and wants this. Gary's going to have to fucking dig deep. So, Mark, who do you got? Yeah, it's it's hard not to pick Ian Gary in this. And it, 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 part of it for me really is just that, that math, hmm. the stupid MMA math that you shouldn't put much into. But, you know, he beat Neil Magny in such ease. Like, he made it look so easy. And it was, was Neil hurt in that fight? I don't know. But he, he really made Neil look. Not good. And then you look at, you know, uh, Jeff Neal couldn't beat Magny. And it's just like, well, you know, if he couldn't beat Magny and Ian Geary just smashed him. Yeah, How long ago was that Ian fight? I don't know. Uh, it was Geary's last fight. Oh, but how, no, how long ago no, was it? Like three years Jeff ago. Neal and Neil Magny. Yeah. I mean, you never want to put too much stock in that stuff. You know, it's not a good way to I mean, look he's, at fight. But he's lost to some good people. So I guess it would mean he's something. He's lost to really good people. Really good people. Right. So I guess it would mean something here. Um, yeah, I'm just putting this out there. I don't think Ian Gary's that good. Like, I don't think I don't see this thing where he's the new Conor McGregor. I might be missing something, Mark. I think he's a, like a like a decent fighter. I think he'd be top ten. But do you mm-hmm. look at this guy and it's like, because people are just like, when you try to say Leon was scared of him, and people are like, yeah, Leon knocked him out in training. It wasn't anything about it. Like, I don't yeah, think he's I'm- a threat to anybody in the top. Well, I'm not sure what the rankings are. I'm gonna say top five, just off the top of my head. He's not beating Angel. Sure, people. I don't think that's. I don't think that's an unfair assessment, at least right now, because we just haven't seen him compete against. Like those Sean guys Brady wants to look- fight him. I, uh, Sean Brady puts him down, and he doesn't get up. Honestly, there's nothing he can do about that. Like, just I mean, his the biggest scalp he has is the Neil Magny fight, and he, he looked awesome in that fight. You know, he really yeah. demolished. You know, but it also just it, it was, that was a hard measuring stick too because neil didn't look super i mean neil got kicked once and he looked compromised for the rest of the fight that was so, that's not a good um, sign when you and me are both like does neil already hurt like that's not a good sign where we're yeah. like was he already hurt <laughs> so i mean this is and this is a decent measuring stick potentially but still not great like i think jeff is in the realm of guys that he should be able to compete with so if he wins a fight here i don't think it really says like oh he can, he can hang with the top top of the division i think it's kind of like you like i think he's 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 he should be a ranked fighter how high he goes still really he, he's got to get his know, shit together and not get kicked out of gyms and try to turn himself into a reality show he's got to get a home base and get his I shit mean, together it, like what's he going on there it, at, at the end of the day really that shit doesn't matter if he can win fights no like, i'm I saying like, he's getting thrown out of real gyms he's got to like 
BS. He got to stick somewhere and get trained. And like, I heard like his well, last camp he needs fell that, apart. He needs that if he's if he's not winning. I mean, he got dropped. Who, 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 who camp, fucking dropped him? Winning. What was that guy who dropped him? That wasn't like a no business dropping him in that other. I mean, I don't know. He's still 14, 13 and 0. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Wouldn't be shocked if Jeff Neal takes this one. To be honest, though. Um, my fight I'm here for, boys. Marab Divashvili, my man, Marab, Marab champ 2024, right here, man. Um, taking on Triple C, man, who just another dick bag. Henry Cejudo fired his coach on the internet. Hilarious. <laughs> um, betting odds for this one. Well, I already got a fifty dollar bet on uh, Marab. To be clear about this, <laughs> um. Minus one seventy five to Henry Cejudo's plus one forty five. Um, I go ahead and make my pick right now because there's no point in making Mike go first. I think um, I know Henry Cejudo's got a fucking Olympic gold medal. I don't think it matters because I don't think necessarily that he's even going to get taken down. I just think this man is going to spam takedowns on him for fifteen straight minutes, and he is bigger than him. And even if he doesn't get him down, Henry Cejudo is not going to have room to do anything. Don't think Henry Cejudo is going to have room to do anything. This man is going to be on him like white on rice. Not sure if you guys saw that Peter Yan fight, but this man attempted some, some absurd, I forgot what the number was, the sheer number of takedowns this man attempted in a five-round fight. Um, let's see if I can find this fucking thing. He landed 11 of them. He attempted... Buh, 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 buh. Help me out here, man. Help me. Where the fuck did it go? 49 takedowns in five rounds. He attempted 49 takedowns, okay? I got him winning this. It might be a decision, but I got Marab winning this, and he, for the love of God, give him a title shot. What are we doing? Mike, who do you got? Harkening back to the statistic that you mentioned earlier about champions past the age of 35 at 170 and below, Henry Cejudo is 37 or 38 years old. And he has shown signs of slowing down in his previous fight. And Marab is a beast. So I will be joining you on that pick. Mark? Yeah, it's a sweep. But kind of like in the the, the previous fight, I, I do think Henry has a good shot here. Because I think stylistically, these two guys do fight very similar. And like you said, like if Marab's whole game plan is to wrestle this guy, it's like, well, what? I don't think Henry's going to be comfortable wrestling a dude. Even though, I mean, I, I do think the factors of size definitely play into this. And, you know, Marab's going to be the bigger guy. Aljo got him down, right? Aljo got him down a couple times. I mean, Aljo won that fight, well, not I just striking. Did. Aljo, yeah. like, Aljo won like three, four rounds doing something. Like. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It, but that's. And then, you know, when you look at Marab, and it's been, I mean, most I'm picking him because, like, he, dude's on a tear. And you kind of want to see him just fight for the belt just because it just seems fair at this point, right? Like, he, he's really put in the work. Um, and. You know, to my credit, like I kept saying before, you know, right after Sean O'Malley fight, like, you know, the problem with this guy is that like he's not marketable. No one knows who he is. I think he's personally been doing a lot to correct that. Right? Oh, yeah. He did the little video where he's was he Professor Murad Dude, he has all, every Murad. one of his videos is gold. Like everything post yeah, it jacket. Was, it was funny. The jacket is the key. And I always thought the jacket was the most was the best thing he's ever done his entire career was putting that jacket on. It was like the smartest thing he's done. But I think he has kind of garnered a little bit more of, you know, some fan appeal here. So I think even though, you know, stylistically in the cage, I don't always find him to be the most appealing or fun to view guy. I think he's definitely earned it. And I think, you know, if he wins this fight, it's undeniable. And I, But I do feel stylistically this could be 
a difficult matchup. He's yeah. fighting someone that has a lot of the same strengths as him. And, you know, when Henry really got on the world stage is when he beat um, DJ, right? And that was a guy that no one thought he was going to beat and didn't think stylistically he had the, the tools. They, to they do didn't, it. Mark, they and did it, not give this guy this fight to set him up for a title shot. They are really they, set him up to really They're test setting him, him up. To, I think this is the. It was the hardest fight we can give Marab right now that might keep him yeah. away from this kid. <laughs> but it also, I mean, Henry Henry's a decent name, though. Henry's a good name to potentially build. And then, you know, Henry needs this too, right? He lost to Sterling. I think he's going to retire if he He still wants to one. be in the mix. I think he'll retire He very well maybe because he knows if he loses two in a row, it's going to be, to get back in that picture is going to be at least two more high-profile wins he needs. And it's just a lot to put in. I know so, he's old. It's, it's tough. Can he not go back down? He's not tall. He's not big. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He moved up because it did seem like the division was kind of done. And now the division's thriving again. So him going back down could be really interesting. Um, but like you said, he's getting up yeah. there in age. The cut might be tough. Mike, fucking O'Malley with a straight face last week is like, I'm not sure that Cheeto really deserves this title shot. We know, bro. We we know the guy you're supposed to be fighting is fighting this weekend. Okay. <laughs> We know. Doesn't doesn't he know he shouldn't be saying the the quiet part uh, out loud? They gave him the of the of the available contenders. They gave him the most favorable matchup possible, and he still might lose because the motherfucker knocked him out last time. People have really he's really convinced people that somehow was cheating that uh, Cheeto kicked him in the legs and he got hurt from getting kicked in the legs. Like somehow that wasn't a legitimate win. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps they had a gentleman's agreement not to kick each other in the calves. Yeah, maybe. Um, Anthony Hernandez, Roman Kopilov, uh, Anthony Hernandez coming into this fight, the winner of four straight, last one over Edmund Shabazian back in May. Uh, three finishes in these four fights. Man's got nine finishes in his 11 wins, seven of them by submission. Roman Kopilov, uh, dude's out here knocking people out, man. He's 12 and 2, 11 of his 12 wins by knockout. Four straight wins, um, all by knockout. Um, betting odds for this one Anthony Hernandez coming in at minus 210 to Roman Kopilov's plus 175. Mike, what do you think? I got very strong feelings on this one. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember any of these guys fighting, so I'm just going to pick the favorite on this one. Okay, so he's got Alexander Anthony Hernandez. I also have Anthony Hernandez because Anthony Hernandez averages 6.7 fucking takedowns in per 15 minutes. Granted, Roman Kopilov is got a 92% takedown defense, but I'm looking at his record here, and I last two guys ain't got Wikipedia pages. And the two guys before that have names that do not sound like they are from places where they know how to wrestle. Um, I think he's going to get taken down repeatedly by Anthony Hernandez. I did some statistical research on this one, Mark. Just saying. You know, I'm taking Anthony Hernandez here. Take him down. Maybe choke this dude. What do you got? Yeah, I'm picking Anthony as well. Um, Not a ton to go off on this one. Um, His resume is a little bit more impressive. Um that's kind of it. Yeah, I don't really have much of a uh, horse in this race, but just kind of looking at, you know, just their records. His resume is a little bit more impressive. We'll give him the nod. Um, as we mentioned, a couple more interesting fights on this card. Amanda Lemos, Mackenzie Dern. What's supposed to be Tatiana Suarez? By the way, there's a whole ass documentary about Tatiana Suarez on Max that the UFC is making no effort to promote because they didn't make it. 
interesting promoter. Um, Marcus Rogerio de Lima taking on Justin Taffa. I'm excited for this one, man. Justin Taffa fights. Do not leave the first round. And Marcus Rogerio de Lima got kneed into the next time zone by Derek Lewis in that last fight. So we might see some uh, explosive shit right there. Um, don't, I don't forget know. Rina Nakamura. I was going to say, that's, where, that's, that's your guy. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's been tearing it up. Yeah. Uh, again, like he's fighting someone we never heard of, Carlos Vieira. I think at this point, like I've seen enough of this. Yeah, they got to give him a real kid. fucking guy. Like <laughs> I, I, he needs someone with a name so we can really measure, you know, where he's at. But um, it's, this it's is not that guy. This is this. not. This is not one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just he's just fun to watch because his wrestling is just top notch. So it'll still be an entertaining fight regardless. Yeah. Does he have a? He doesn't have an Olympic medal, but he's got like other wrestling medals i think so yeah just to make just make sure that all of us pick copy uh hernandez as well we did i think we all picked the same shit on every fucking fight yeah we did yeah yep um i like the kgb lee versus miranda maverick fight um though apparently we got a weird anti-women's fighting thing going on with this horrible fan base happening right now which that sounds about right given where we are with these people um, if I remember who Val Woodburn is, um, he's all muscles and no ability, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So might check out that fight overall, uh, not a bad card. I'm excited for this one. Um, cause you know, basketball doesn't really get going at least for another month or so parades in June, man. Warriors going to take it. Don't worry. Warriors and Knicks, right? Mike. You guys are good. Indeed, man. You guys are good this year, actually. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're good, but come on. Let's be real. Mike's been beaten down too many times by his teams to have any faith. Um, all right. Um, we're going to do a little fun top five list. Um, we're going to try to go fast through it because we're already 45 minutes into this. And then we'll do stuff we like. Um, in honor of Valentine's Day, we are going to do our, fa- our favorite or top five songs about love or heartbreak or, you know, yada, yada, yada what we're going with i could have worded that better um i am going to go i'll lead i'll lead us off um though my fucking internet is failing me here so i'm a little concerned about this chat you guys all still hear me right yes we do um uh, i'm going to go with uh no one's gonna love you by band of horses uh it's really just one of my favorite songs. I know it sounds fucking grim, but I don't care. I really like that song. Nobody's, No one's going to love you by the Band of Horses. Band of Horses, great band out of, I believe, Seattle. Um, I think the song is like 15 or so years old. Um, yeah, good album too. Cease to begin. So no one's going to love you, Band of Horses. What's his name? Um, the guy from Gnarls Barkley had a really good cover of it too. Um, CeeLo. CeeLo had a good cover of this song, too. Um, and uh, I think this song was, like, in a bunch of TV shows and shit. I think it was, like, in Zombieland and stuff, too. Really good song. Um, Band of Horses. No one's gonna love you. Mark. Yeah, this is definitely a list that I just had to think of before we started the show. And they're probably in the coming weeks, I'll hear a song. Like, oh, that would have been a lot better on the list. And I only have five, so hopefully none of you guys take yeah. any of the five I have. There's no backups on here, but I got what I got. Um, 
so the first one I'll, I'll mention because Bob mentioned it when we were talking about the show. Uh, this is from Brad Eyes, uh, First Day of My Life. Uh, me and Christine, my wife, uh, this was our first song that we danced to. And I, I think I told Bob when we were in college, just like, oh, when I get married, I'm going to use this song. This is a good song. This is a good love song. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I always like that one from Bright Eyes. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. So, yeah, hopefully you guys don't take any of the songs I have nothing in the chamber after these. Uh, Mike. All right. I'm going to start off with the hood classic here we go jagged edges let's just get married i love that song we ain't getting no younger we might as well do it the remix or the original uh oh obviously the remix yeah, i was gonna say yeah, yeah, yeah. so so yeah. deaf <laughs> the remix <laughs> <laughs> yo remember when you didn't know that this whole time you were listening to the remix of ignition no one's ever even heard the original Ignition song. Yeah, I mean that, that that song did not make the top five, but that is true. <laughs> um, all right, we got a good start here. Um, I'm going to go um, with uh, one of my favorite songs. Period. Also, "God Only Knows" by the Beach Boys. Um, is that one depressing as well? No, it's just a really nice song. I think it's a beautiful. Okay. It's my favorite Beach Boys song. Fucking Beach Boys are supremely underrated i think by a lot of people who think they're just fucking singing about the beach they're not beach boys fucking rule and god only knows is a beautiful song um brian wilson's a fucking genius excellent excellent song um check it out if you haven't somehow if you've somehow not heard god only knows by the beach boys mark yeah this next one is um (laughs) It's a little like emo-ish, I guess you could say, or it just seems very like. Uh, this was a song I remember when I was when I was in college, and oh, I was so heartstruck, and oh, the world was just ending. This is a goodbye, by lover from James Blunt, <laughs> and I couldn't remember who <laughs> sung this song, but I remembered it was the sad song from The Office. So I looked out of that. I, all I could remember was it was a sad song they played in The Office when Michael got dumped, and he didn't buy the whole song. He just kept listening to the preview on iTunes. <laughs> But then I also remembered, like, the guy who sang it, has his name had something to do with weed, right? And I was like, oh, James Blunt, that's right. He doesn't talk about weed or anything. I just remember in college being like, oh, yeah, James Blunt, but he has lots of weed songs. Not really. But uh, Goodbye, My Lover was a very sad, tragic kind of breakup song. Where it's very, you know, super emotional and, like, all oh, your life's ending and stuff, which is a little, you know, a little much. But it's a good song. It's, it's a good tearjerker when you're, when you're feeling down. So, Michael. Oh, I forgot one. Um, outside looking in on my OLI, uh, Peter Gabriel's Book of Love, just because I love that song at the end of the series Yo! finale for Scrubs. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that your pick? Uh, no, I just thought of that about that one right now. That was one. Of, that was my next. That, you just burn it. You, you just, just burn, burn Book of Love well, is one then, of the best then, songs. Why <laughs> then, then why don't you go in and talk about it? And then I'll go back and give you my actual. No, one do now. yours, and then I'll do book. Just good lord. I'm gonna All fucking. Right, I'm okay. gonna fucking just throw shit out there to burn this <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're not gonna get any of them. Well, actually, one of them you might get. Um, so the other, my number four is. It's a cover. Um, Elvis doing a "Can't Help Falling in Love with You." Just a good song. 
Yeah. How's it going? Yeah, good. I just want to throw out, you know, End of the Road by fucking Voice the Man and shit like that. If anything else Mike wanted to fucking say. No. Okay. Nah, First of all, on my list. Book of Love. It's a magnetic field song. The original. Okay. Um, from album called 69 Love Songs. It's how many it's album with 69 Love Songs. Um, Peter Gabriel version of it. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. They know what they were doing there. Yeah, of course they do. They come on, Mike. They know what they're doing. It's the magnetic fields. They got jokes. Okay. Um, but I do think the Peter Gabriel version is particularly memorable because it was in Scrubs, um, in the real, actual, I'd say the real series finale before it turned into that whole other show. Uh, get you all emotional and stuff. Um, I love the Book of Love, though. That's one of my favorite songs, too. I'm, I'm a big, I'm realizing I'm a big, a lot of my favorite songs are love songs, I'm realizing, or heartbreak either way. Um, it's hard, and that's a really good song. And, you know, before Mike tried to fucking throw it in as an honorable mention. Um, Book of Love. I think I still like the Magnetic Fields version more. But, you know, both versions are great. Mark? Yeah, I'll do this one now just to make sure no one else gets it. Although, like, I don't think the rest of my songs are so well-known or a top of anyone's list that you guys would take them. But um, this is probably the most popular one. Uh, Killing, uh, Killing Me Softly from the Fugees. I always like that song. I always like singing. It's a song that I, I know all the words to, and most songs I don't know that, but uh, that's just a great, I, I think, probably one of my favorite Fuji songs. So, yeah, Killing Me Softly. That song dominated 1995-1996. You heard that shit fucking everywhere, bro. Fifth grade was just littered with Killing Me Softly. Yeah, that's accurate. Um, Mark, uh, Mark, what's? No, I'm sorry, Mark. Mike, what's your next pick? One I know for sure is not on any of your lists, and I'm not doing this just because, uh, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey won the Super Bowl yesterday. But Taylor Swift love story. Fuck you. Not here for your Taylor Swift bullshit today. Though I like, hey man, I like Taylor Swift. Hey man, we 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 belted that song drunk on karaoke one night, man. Come on, you can't say you don't like that. No, song. I do. I like that song. I mean, I was mostly drinking tequila because we paid for it. You were belting the song. Um, Me and Kip presentable. That's accurate. Um, Fleetwood Mac landslide. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, and the um, they're not called the Dixie Chicks anymore. They're just called the Chicks. Uh, shout out to them taking a world of shit for being against a war that ended up being a, t- a terrible idea, by the way. Shout out to the Dixie Chicks there, or the Chicks. But the original Fleetwood Mac version of that song is wonderful. Um, Rumors is one of the greatest albums ever, and this is one of the best songs from said album. So, Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Mark? Yeah, uh, this next one uh, is the ending credit song for Steven Universe, uh, Love Like You. Um, there's a lot of Rebecca Sugar. I mean, I've spoken about her praises, how much I think she's such a great songwriter. Um, and just a lot of the stuff they did for Steven Universe was so great. But yeah, their ending cred, the ending cred theme song, uh, Love Like You, uh, easily one of my favorites. And uh, Christine also, she used that song to walk down the aisle. So lots of, lots of emotion behind that one, too. So yeah, that's my fourth one. Mike. A song that dominated, I think, 04 or 05, Mario's second biggest hit or first biggest hit. I'm not sure how good uh, Just Friends was, but Let Me Love You. 
that was my ringtone for a solid year and a half. Nice. Good stuff. Um, my last one. I mean, some of these aren't really about love. I mean, it doesn't really count, I guess. Ah, fuck it. It's our list. Whatever. Um, mm, nah, I don't like it. I need a moment. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was gonna right. say the Lucas. As- I was gonna say the Lucas Graham uh, seven years, but that's not really about love. Uh, All right, as as he thinks, I will give another OLI. Uh, juveniles, back that ass up. <laughs> By the way, if 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 they want really want people to vote, if we're trying to go with millennial, you know, voting on who do we want to do the halftime show in fucking New Orleans next year, the answer is fucking juvenile. All right, Cash Money Records, yo. The man has the, the nine nine taking over the two thousand. Probably the best Tiny Desk concert. Okay, Mike, do you watch a Tiny Desk concert with Juvenile? Uh, no. Okay, they have to play back that ass up twice because everybody's having such a good time. Okay, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch Abbott Elementary, uh, but does. that song was on the latest episode and i couldn't stop laughing for a solid 10 minutes oh, i haven't i haven't this, I, they started the new season i haven't watched any of it yet gotta catch up and i i definitely thought as i was watching that show yeah this show is truly is really written by black people nice <laughs> all right bobby um, so what's your final one let's stay together al green the al green okay all right, I like it. Shout out to Tarantino for making sure I, you know, got my Al Green and learned about Al Green listening and watching movies. Mm. So, <laughs> was that a Jackie Brown one? I no idea. I've never seen was, it. It might have been Pulp. Was it Pulp? You might be right. Is it either Pulp or Jackie Brown. Yeah. I can't remember. Mm, yeah. Mm. I can't recall. Mark? Um, yeah, so I guess I'll finish. <laughs> this is not like a good one. I literally put this one because, I mean, you guys were speaking about karaoke. I- I've always struggled at karaoke. I don't listen to a lot of like popular music. Um, and the few songs I kind of know that they have like aren't great karaoke songs. But this one came up the last time we were at karaoke. I was like, oh, okay, I like this song. It's old. Again, I know most of the words, too. And this is uh, Save Tonight from Eagle Eye Cherry. <laughs> Which is kind of like not a song I thought about much in my life, but I saw it on the list. Save tonight, tomorrow. I always liked it as a kid, so uh, you know, like it doesn't, doesn't really deserve to be in anyone's top five love songs. Probably not, but you know, it's Slim Pickens over here, so it made it. Should have gone with you know Black Sheep from you know Clash of Demon Head. Just saying. Mike, what's your last one? Is that even a love song? I don't even know. I was in love watching Brie Larson. I don't know about you. Hello <laughs> yeah. again, yeah. friend of a friend. <laughs> I knew you went. Anyway, yeah. Uh, my last one is an oldie but a goodie. The Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Ooh, I was thinking about that one. Classic. Yeah, yeah. I thought for sure one of you guys would mention that. One. I was thinking yesterday. Beatles. Yesterday was the one I was thinking of for the Beatles. But, That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, it's the Beatles, so you like, could say that about a lot of. There's about songs. 45 songs you could have picked, man. Um, Wouldn't it be nice? By the Beach Boys was another one I was thinking of. I like the Beach Boys quite a bit. 
That's the fastest top five list we've done. That took 14 minutes. I'm proud of us. Um, all right. Stuff we like. I did not have it. I was, I was, uh, we, we, a couple of plays a different way. I would have said the Super Bowl, but I'm starting to not enjoy be the footnote in this man's run. Um, but what are you going to do, man? Kid's 20 years old with three rings. He's real good, Mike. What are you going to do? And I uh, just want to say I did not like seeing our guy Dre Greenlaw's Achilles explode. That was that was rough. And then his replacement getting targeted nine times and all nine of them being a catch with a touchdown did not help my cause psychologically. But football's awesome, man. Football's awesome. And uh, I think that the Vegas Super Bowl was really cool. And I think they should consider doing a lot of them in Vegas. And I don't just say that as someone who it's got a business in Vegas and goes to Vegas. I think it's a good place to do these type of things. I think it's a good event city. You know, the guys probably agree. They've, you know, been there. I think it's a good place to do shit like that. I don't think you shut. I think the good thing about Vegas is when you do an event, you don't ruin the, you don't shut down the city with these events because they are built for big, they're constantly built for something happening and they're able to adjust accordingly. And sure, it'll be crowded and stuff. And I think a lot of times, like when they did it in San Francisco, I remember like fucking, it was a mess. You know, we're going to get it again in a couple of years. It was a mess. And it's going to be a mess in a lot of places. And they should consider going there more often is all I'm saying. Would have liked to win, though. What are you going to do? Um, that's all I got. It's a, it, it's, it's a city that they have conventions, it seems like, every weekend. So, yep. as you mentioned, they're, they're, they're built for this. And another thing about the game, first of all, I am really sad that, uh, that y- you guys didn't win, Bobby. Um but one thing I was uh, talking with my girlfriend about yesterday, um, she very innocently just asked, um, have, have, when was the last time the Jets won a Super Bowl, which sent me into just depression. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember as the game was going on, I was you know just worried for you and like freaking out for you. Mm. And I remember just telling her, man, I'm this stressed out. I can only imagine how Bobby is, and I've lived with him. I know how stressed out he gets over these things. And then I thought to myself, well, what's worse or what's better? Just not getting to the Super Bowl at all or just being disappointing like the Jets normally are or getting all the way to the Super Bowl and, you know, losing. Um, Not even necessarily in heartbreaking fashion, but just losing. I don't know. I can't. And I told her I cannot answer that question because I've never experienced a Super Bowl so with, let me, my, uh, with my team. Let me tell you, as a guy who rooted for the Warriors for much of my life when we were terrible, and then we got good, and then, you know, we blew a 3-1 lead in one finals, and then we lost another finals, that's preferred. It's being good is preferred. <laughs> being for a good team is preferred in general. Um, They were saying, they had this comment uh, I was listening to radio. Uh, I might have said this to you if I have my bad. We definitely have said it on the podcast. They said, if you told someone in 1996 in the Bay Area, said, hey, in the next 27 years, uh, the Warriors, the San Francisco Giants, and the 49ers are going to combine for seven championships. Guess the split. 95% of people in 1996 would have said seven Super Bowls for the 49ers. And the other 5% would have said six Super Bowls for the 49ers and one for, and one World Series for the Giants. Not a single fucking person was going to like, no one was going to say fucking four for the Dubs, three for the Giants. 
One one last thing about the Niners. Um, ESPN just tweeted this uh, maybe about 40 minutes ago. This is crazy. When you talk about it's better to be good, Bobby. The 49ers have lost in the NFC Championship game or Super Bowl in each of their last seven trips to the postseason. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. If they had given me a Super Bowl ticket, we would have won. I'm just saying. My lucky hat ain't seen a loss. If I'm there, we win. Simple as that. Anyway, that was it for me. I really don't have anything this week besides that. Uh, football was a, it was a good season. Feel bad for our guy who tore his Achilles. That's really it. And fucking Spotify, me putting it on random, hitting me with everybody hurts while I'm driving home was really not necessary. That was what I could have said. I could have said everybody hurts, you know, but no, that, that, one, that wasn't on there. Mark, what do you got this week? Yeah, just have really one thing this week, um, and I mentioned it last week, and it's been fantastic. Uh, Hell Divers 2 came out last Thursday. Uh, you know, if you remember back when we did our top five games, the original Hell Divers was one of my top five games. Uh, I just really love the original, and and I was skeptical about the sequel. I didn't really see how long third person was really going to be that big of a deal. And it wasn't until, like I mentioned last week, when I actually got a saw like raw gameplay, someone playing like an actual like mission going through it that I really got excited for it. Um, and it's bared fruit. Like it has been, it, the launch has been extremely rocky, where, you know, this game kind of hedges on multiplayer and matchmaking and playing with other people. And for the first like day or so, matchmaking wasn't working at all. Um, it was, you couldn't do just a random quick play match it would the servers weren't up for it um so i remember the first day i just played solo which is not how you want to play that game it's not fun it's not nearly as entertaining so the first impression wasn't super great but once i did start to get some people you know there's different workarounds you could do to get people into your game and once i had one other person in there we were able to actually start doing missions and it became a lot more fun and now, basically, there there was some issues with the servers over the weekend. They actually had to shut them down on Sunday. I didn't get to play at all Sunday. Um, but, like, I'm fully obsessed with this game now. I'm having so much fun. And, um, you know, credit to the developers. Like, this game has really taken off. It's the top-selling game on Steam. Um, they had some Steam metrics from the first game and the second game that are really crazy. I think, like... The highest concurrent player count the first game ever got was like 6,000 people. And that was like six years ago. And now it has like 300,000 people playing at once because that's not, that's, not, that's how much people were on the servers to start, start to go down. Um, and it's well-deserved. You know, Arrowhead Games is a Swedish studio that was really small, made much smaller games and Helldivers and the remake of Gauntlet and Magicka. Like these are really fun local multiplayer games that were great. Um, but the skill of them was very much of a, a, an indie studio. And this was their first time kind of, you know, reaching for, you know, what people would consider to be triple A status type game, you know, with that kind of quality. Um, and it took them a long time. You know, the last game they released was Helldivers and that was nine years ago. So a nine year development cycle is kind of insane. Most devs can't survive for nine years without releasing a game and getting some kind of, you know, monetary value in there, but Sony's publishing. So I think Sony had a lot of money going into this and i think it's money well spent and honestly i'm not going to be surprised and i kind of hope sony does end up buying arrowhead games um you know they had them exclusive for these last two games with the, the hell divers and this one being such a huge success on not only playstation but steam as well and obviously sony has been trying to do live service games for a while this one seems to have 
you know, a monetization kind of schematic that doesn't seem as, you know, predatorial as some of the other ones with its, you know, it basically has like a battle pass, one that's essentially free, and then a premium one you have to pay for. But technically, if you complete the free one, you'll have enough of the game credit to buy the one you have to put money into, and you can earn the money just through playing it. And honestly, like just playing this game is it, when you when you fight against there's basically two different factions you fight and I'll leave it at this because I don't want to be too long winded but you, there's basically one enemy type are these bug creatures when you play those missions this game plays like the best Starship Troopers game you could imagine and then the other kind of faction you play against is like these cyborg robot people and when you're playing that one it feels like the best fucking Terminator game I could ever imagine like literally when you play those matches, it literally seems like you're playing a game based on like the futuristic Terminator movies that you love to see in the first Terminator. It's like, Oh, wasn't that so cool when they're shooting fucking lasers going everywhere and they're riding and there's no vehicles yet in the game, which will probably come soon. Cause the first one had vehicles, but like, it really is just like one of these games where you're calling in stratagems and there's the sound effects, the, the visual effects for the explosion, like everything just kind of like goes off on such a high level. Um, it's really, it's really cool for someone that was a fan of the first game to see like everything in that first game is the exact same here. Like how the game plays the way, you know, it, it's a very tactical game that has a very kind of like fun, kitschy kind of like sense of humor to it. But like it takes itself seriously in like the mechanics that it uses and like basically how you could kill yourself and your teammates if you're not tactically thinking about what you're doing, and what you're calling down. Um, it, it's hard to describe. I definitely recommend people just checking out people playing the game because like when you're watching people play it's just like crazy shit happens like cool fun crazy shit happens all the time in that game um and you're a lot of times you're playing it with completely random people and usually multiplayer games with a bunch of randos usually sucks because people don't play together but this game really much like deep rock galactic it, you have to work together to be successful in this game so if you want to just be an a-hole and just drop bombs on your teammates like you can do that and it'll be funny for a second, but then like you're not going to accomplish anything. It's just going to become kind of tedious at that point. Um, it's just really good. It really exceeded my expectations, and I was very excited for it coming into next last week. So uh, yeah, Helldivers too. If you don't know about it, check it out. All right, I was just about to ask you what you're, you're playing PC to games. say the name of it again. My man's out here playing Helldivers PC games. What? <laughs> it, it's on PC. It's on PC and PlayStation. This is. And this is the most popular PlayStation release they've done on PC. Because they started releasing, like, they did Spider-Man and God of War. And You're playing Helldivers on PC? Too. No, I'm playing on PS5. Okay. What's Hell- the Helldivers? What's the full thing of it again? Yeah, Helldivers 2. Oh, that's literally just Helldivers 2. Got yep. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too much on my end. Uh, I watched a pretty old movie mainly because i saw that the third one i think was coming out on dvd or video on demand uh equalizer 3 i watched Mm. the the first equalizer movie for those of you that don't know what it is it's basically denzel washington's old ass being uh, an ass kicker i think he saw liam neeson and taken was like i could do that that's basically that's basically the plot of the movie denzel washington's whooping people's asses it's great. Yep. That 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 was my basic understanding of that movie as well. It looked like Taken, but Stenzel this time. So I, I still don't quite understand what what he does with the stopwatch. 
Like, if you watch the movie, it's like, why Why does he keep using a stopwatch before he whoops people's asses? I don't get it. I don't know if, like, if he goes over a certain amount of time, his heart will explode. Or if he's just, like, an OCD ass kicker. I don't know. But I'm assuming if I keep watching Equalizer 2 and then Equalizer 3, they'll eventually tell me. But until then, I'll enjoy Denzel Washington's old ass whooping people's asses at a very unrealistic rate. Wonderful. I agree. You watch that Mr. you watch that Mr. and Mrs. Smith show at all? I've watched about half of it. Um my girlfriend tore through it. She loved it. Um I I like I liked it as well. I just been busy with other things. There was one scene in uh I think one of the later episodes where I was doing something else and I heard Donald Glover's monologue during it. And by the end, I was I was glued to the TV because I wasn't even paying attention. And by the end of the monologue, I don't want to give anything away that he was giving. At the end, I just said, holy shit, because it was just so raw and, and, and emotional. So... From what I've seen so far, the show is really good. Right on. Nice. To, I knew I, I knew you would watch it and report back. I was asking the right person. Um. All right. We'll be back next week. See if there's a new UFC featherweight champion. No one in this podcast seems to think so. Um. We'll also preview this UFC Mexico card, but really, I think we're going to preview um. This Bellator PFL thing too. So Mike's got about a week to figure out who fights in Bellator and PFL. That's the way I view this. Um, I saw Johnny Eblen took an OnlyFans model out for an $85,000 shopping spree. An OnlyFans model that was not necessarily his girlfriend. Not that he was cheating on his girlfriend, but just still. I did not think Bellator paid that well, Johnny. Just Yeah, man, you can't you can't be buying these hoes gifts, man. What are you doing? <laughs> Come on, man. Just saying. It's a questionable move, Johnny. Plan your shit accordingly. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week. I was Dr. Law. That was Lavender Gooms. And that was DJ Mark. And that's Xena down there for, you know, nobody who's watching. the. No, this is not a visual medium. But there's a dog. Nope. Name is Xena. There's a dog. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week. Thank you all. Peace out. See ya. Draymond's out here. Chucking fit uh, half court threes at the buzzer to hit him. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> that makes me th- that makes me think this is his last year. He's just trying to like complete side quests. No, we got him. Give me an extension. Draymond's going nowhere. <laughs> Ooh, good point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This guy's real good. We keep losing Super Bowls to him. Would have been real cool if somebody took him out. You know. But no. Anyway, thanks for listening. Goodbye.